Welcome to Work It Out. I'm Mego. I'm Caitlin. And this is your fitness podcast hosted by two people who know nothing about fitness. <laughs> I'm a comedian. Caitlin's a comedian. She's also a therapist. That's how we roll. We, we don't know shit. So today we have a really exciting guest that Caitlin is about to introduce because we're on Zoom making eye contact with each other to pass this off. <laughs> because guess what? We're not in person, just like you. Uh, Caitlin, uh, take it away. Yeah. We're so excited. Uh, this guest is not only a member of my accountability group, but she is also a Nashville native living in Brooklyn for hell along. Um, she's half of the comedy musical group Reformed Whores, who are awesome. Check out their new music video on YouTube. She's an amazing, funny performer. You can hear her weekly on the podcast that she also produces called Difficult Women. And you can catch her monthly as a performer and writing contributor on the John Twitcherman sketch show on Twitch. Please give it up for Marie Cecil Anderson. Hello. I love a fitness podcast. Oh, my God. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we um you know what's crazy i said this to katie when she was on the show because guys in case you didn't know katie frame who we also interviewed is the other half of reformed whores and now we've got both whores they're both reformed <laughs> <laughs> and we have two episodes to prove it um but I'm- i didn't i've seen you perform before so i've technically like from afar met you i guess <laughs> Um, but I didn't know you're from Nashville. That's so great. One of my best friends lives there and I love it there. It's great. Should I move back? That's the question at hand. <laughs> that, you know, I feel like that's a question that so many people, like right now, if you live in a city, it's like, oh, should, is this not happening anymore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> what, what happened to Broadway? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well... Thank God we don't have to talk about that. We can talk about literally anything else. Like, working out. Yeah! <laughs> um, I feel like, so one of the things that we usually ask people to start is what was movement or health or fitness like for you as a kid? Tell us about Baby Marie. Oh, my gosh. Baby Marie. So uncoordinated in every single aspect of life. <laughs> From a very early age, I only wanted to be an athlete. Like, I really, I mean, as far as, like, dancing goes, I did every sport, or at least I attempted every sport. And I'm not kidding. I did, growing up, I did swimming. I was obsessed with swimming. Always came in last place. Always. Marie, me too. Yes? Really? Famously my thing. I was the, famously. (laughs) I was (laughs) And our was the worst in our league. Uh, I'll, <laughs> so me too. I mean, I swam. I swam up until high school, and then I even swam in college. But I was so it was it was the only. It wasn't even like um uh, a real uh, sp- uh, team sport, or Appalachian State sport. It was like a club sport, but everyone took it very seriously. They were all like top of their game from their high schools, and then we all started the club thing. And I was so. Bad, so bad, but I love to swim. I was on the dive team 
I played softball for one year. Uh, the, uh, they put me out in the outfield. The ball always came to me. I always missed it. One time I, it was a ground, grounding, groundling. I don't even know sports. Oh. Yeah, a ground <laughs> ball. And it came and slapped me right in the face. Um, so funny. Uh, I played church basketball for five years. Uh, my senior year, I tripped on the ball, sprained my ankle, and lost a contact lens. Um, they had to freeze the game for everyone to stop and try to find my contact lens. It was so great. Uh, but I love, I love using my body. I love, I feel like I'm a really strong person. I'm trying to get stronger <laughs> every single day. Um, but I love, I love working out. I love to, I used to run. I hate running now. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But I love moving my body and I feel like it's, it's absolutely necessary for my, my mental health. If I don't get outside and move my body, I crumble. <laughs> I crumble. I crumble. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, cause we often are like, Oh, who, who are the people in comedy now who are theater kids? And who are the people who are sports kids? Right. And who are the kids who are maybe both? Right. Cause I think there's, mm-hmm this idea in the US that like you're one or the other. So it's always really interesting when we see people who weren't right. Like where did that love of sports come from? You're from the South. Do you have like a sports family? Not at all. There's, uh, there's three girls in my family. And so my dad, even if he wanted to like be a football family, we, we were like, no, we're not doing that. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> we're like me- more music and theater, but my parents, um, we at a very early age always went to go see community theater and stuff. So we, sports was never in the mix, I guess. But my parents really, you know, offered kind of like, what do you want to do? What, you know, to each of us girls, like, what is your interest and how can we help you do that? And my younger sister is so good at sports. She's like such a great athlete. Uh, she did a triathlon, a mini triathlon a couple years ago. And we we're all like, well, shit. My older sister does nothing. She doesn't even like, she can barely even walk her dog, <laughs> which is so funny. And then I'm kind of in the, in the mix, but you know, we, they just, our parents just kept us active. Um, and I think that that was really important. And for me, I always flock to just teen, like I love, I love being in my duo. I love being in any sort of team community aspect. And that's why I kind of liked sports, but I was just never good at the sports. <laughs> it turned out I was really good at the theater part and I fell in love with theater at a very, I was five years old, I think, when my mom put us in children's theater, uh, the Nashville Children's Theater. So I started at a very young age. I was a a piece of seaweed in The Little Mermaid, um, flapping my arms and singing to Under the Sea. And I was hooked at like five years old. And then my sisters were doing it too. And they were like, nah, they, they weren't into it. But my mom knew from the very start that I wanted to be in showbiz and kind of like was always, you know, that pushing that aspect rather than the sports. Like my, my sisters did more sporty stuff. And then I, I was always in like puppet camp or vocal voice lessons or choir or that sort of thing. How do you think that being 
<laughs> being sporty, but then also starting like pretty young in theater. Like how did you, how did that make you view your body? Oh gosh. Um, that's a great question. I never viewed my body as an athlete or like, I never viewed it as, I think so many of the people that I admired in, in high school, especially were cheerleaders were on the softball team, basketball team, um, but specifically cheerleaders. I did not even try to try out <laughs> for cheerleading in high school, although I admired those girls so much because they were so strong and then they were so skinny. And I did not have that body in high school at all. There's like a joke in my family. We were watching home videos a couple years ago and my dad walked in the room and he was like, who's that big fellow? And I was like, that was me, sir. That, that was me as a child. I was a big, like, I just like, when I hit puberty, it was just like, I became Bigfoot. Like I, and I viewed myself as like a monster and I got made fun of because like I was growing and I was growing faster. I was growing hips. I was growing boobs. And like, so I always looked at the cheerleaders with the mindset of like, I'll never look like them. I'll never be able to do that. And I auditioned, I auditioned, I tried out for cheerleading in eighth grade, completely fucked it up. I ran too fast during the round off, just a round off, not even a round off back handspring, a round off. And I fell, but I didn't even fall. I like slipped across the gym floor on my ass, heard the like screech, you know, and then everyone going, <laughs> oh, and so, I mean, it was, I, I had, I had a healthy relationship, but I also with my body, but I also was super aware how different it was than the popular girls. Right. I, that's so funny to hear you describe yourself as a monster. Well, not funny. It's, it's very sad. <laughs> very sad. Yeah. As a monster. Uh, but I've literally said that exact same thing on here so many times because yeah mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I are, were you tall or are you tall mm -mm. Wait, no I'm five met. four. Oh yeah <laughs> I wish I'll just tell you yeah I'm six seven <laughs> no <laughs> well, I'm, I'm five four three, so like oh, I wow. always felt yeah and I was like really tall when I was younger so I always had that same feeling so that's so interesting to hear you say that you felt like that but you were like you know I don't know not not even five, five. <laughs> right. So, and the crazy thing is looking back at pictures of myself in high school, I'm like the cutest little thing. It's crazy what our minds like and the comparison of uh, comparing, you know, our bodies to other people's bodies. I just wish I had the confidence back then to realize that actually I was such a beautiful young girl, but I was just too busy comparing myself to the popular girls. Yeah, I oh, I feel exactly the same way like when I look at old pictures of myself too. But I think it's so hard at that age too because like you're developing and you're starting to look like women half of the class is still looks like children, you know? Yeah. So, it's like no, like you're very cute and very attractive, you're just literally different because like your body's at a different phase of your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you look like a child. Like I totally remember wanting wishing I was flat and like wishing that which I'm sure the other girls were then wishing that they were not flat. So it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm hearing all of this. And my question is, oh, is someone not 
having that thought that they're a monster. Because right? <laughs> I also can very much relate to that, you know, feeling like that in middle school, in high school. I remember in middle school wearing super baggy clothing and still being worried that it was too tight. Like I was, mm. I would wear these like huge baggy, like nineties, like pants and shirts. And I was like, if this is too tight, people will look at me and think, who the hell does this bitch think she is? She's not allowed to wear tight clothes. And they weren't tight at all, right? And I was in middle school and it was fine. But that type of thinking, I'm a monster. I know for me personally, that sort of stuck for <laughs> much longer than I'd like to admit. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Shifted. Has that shifted for you, Marie? And if so, when? Oh, I do not feel like a monster anymore. Thank God. Thank the Lord. Um, honestly, my senior year in high school, I don't know what happened uh, in my brain, but all of a sudden, I just didn't give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck about any, you know, popularity contests. I was so immersed in theater by my senior year. I was vice president of my school. So it's, you know, making changes, getting those vending machines on par with what we wanted, you know, um, de decorating for homecoming. And, you know, it's funny because like when you look back and like I talked to other my high school friends, they're like, Marie, you were the most popular person in the school because you were friends with every single person. There was not like you didn't have like a real click because you were the click. Everybody wanted to be her friend. And it's wild to think how much I wanted to be in the certain group. And then by senior year, I was like, I don't give a fuck. And I, I was, I, I felt beautiful by my senior year. I had a boyfriend that I love, I loved, who is still my best friend today. And then I went off to college and I, I just, I really loved myself by then. And I don't know exactly what happened or, or, you know, what juice I drank to make me all of a sudden confident and love my body. I mean, it is, but, but still, I mean, I, I have a love hate relationship with my body. I mean, even just Monday, I hated my body. And then now it's Friday and I'm like, man, I really love my body. <laughs> It's just, it, it fluctuates. I don't know about you guys, but like it just fluctuates so much that I wish I had a little bit more control of feeling what it should be, I guess. Maggie Rogers has this song. It's like, I think it's called like In My Body. And that just, that song hits me so hard because I know I'm in my body. I love my body, but like, it's just that reflection that sometimes you're like, well, fuck, like, I know I can look better than that. But then you start going like, no, wait, I'm really strong. I can do 25 push-ups. Like, why am I thinking like that? And it's a fucking society and media and all that bullshit. Um, I had a really, really, really hard time when I first came to New York with agents telling me I was overweight. Yet it. No. And I was a size six. <laughs> oh. I was like 30 pounds lighter than what I am now. And they were telling me that I was overweight. I had an agent even, I did a test audition and then we brought, they brought it up. We were in the conference room. They brought it up on the TV in the conference room. My audition didn't even comment about my performance because I knew I was fucking awesome, but, uh, she froze it and then started drawing on my face. You need to lose, lose weight here. 
the, here, you know, and then she started drawing like on my breasts and saying like I needed to get a push-up bra and wear, wear, you know, clothing that shows off my body more and then I would book more things. And instead of being like, fuck this bitch, I immediately left that audition and called my friend who was a trainer and was like, I have to lose 20 pounds. And like, I lost 20 pounds. Oh my gosh. I, I worked, I like, I starved myself. I mean, my first five years in New York City, I was starving. I was literally a starving artist because of all the showbiz people who were telling me to lose weight. So I had a really, really bad relationship with my brain, with my body, with showbiz when I first came to New York. And now, I mean, I've been here 15 years now and that stuff kind of creeps in continually, which is bad. But, you know, women, a woman in showbiz, it's like, it's just constant. And if I had the, if I knew how to get over it, I'd be over it. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like, it's because like you constantly have that. You're already saying that stuff to yourself because you're right. standing that you're, you know, next to the cheerleaders and you're like, I don't look like a cheerleader. And you're at those auditions. And like, I did the exact same. I was here to be a tap dancer. Oh, <laughs> hell I, yeah that's yeah amazing. which I like did not keep keep going at because it was it was too much the auditions were too much because I would walk in I was you know a head taller than everyone else and felt like a monster like a fat monster mm-hmm. if that it was a negative connotation monster like yeah and it's like you're already doing that comparison and you already walk into these auditions and these every single girl looks you up and down like this is my competition mm-hmm. and so to have someone then verbally say that to you and confirm all of your worst fears that you're too too something to mm-hmm. do your job is so upsetting and of course it still creeps in because you've had someone literally tell you like, Oh, well, all those doubts that you have on a daily basis, your little devil on your shoulder, actually the devil's right. And you need to do something about it. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, of course that still creeps in, which is why it's so important not to talk to little girls about stuff. Like, like not to talk to little Mm -hmm. girls by their weight and like their size. Oh God. Oh, that makes me so upset. It makes me so upset. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know who one of the worst contributors to my body images though? Is my mom. Yeah. Oh. And we we talk I mean, my mother is my best friend. My mother is my everything. But through the years, she has really put a lot on me because I have the exact same body as her. I have her body. And so she really wanted to, I think that she, she, same, same demons existed in her and still exist in her. But especially growing up, she saw her body and my body doing the exact same thing. So she thought, we've talked about this a lot, by the way, how much she's fucked me up with my body image, but, um, she said all she wanted to do was to protect me from the bullies and stuff. And so she would like, you know, casually say like Rachel and Marga, my sisters who are thin, can eat this. Marie, why don't you try, why don't you do this? And it's like this and that. And it's like that stuff has really messed with my head as well. And it's only, I know she was only doing it out of love and to like, you know, to, to protect me and stuff. But like, in the end, it probably would have been just better to, like, love yourself no matter what you look like, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's 
going to the point that we often talk about on this podcast, right? When we as individuals are sort of experiencing that push pull with our own bodies and that push pull with, oh, I want to lose weight. Oh, I want to accept myself as I am really recognizing that the part of us that says, oh, I want to lose weight is connected. Mm -hmm. Even when people are trying to do it in a quote unquote healthy way or trying to talk about it in ways that are nice, it just slips so easily into encouraging disordered eating habits. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's so easy to start at, well, we're really concerned with your health. And then you move to, you're a size six and you need to lose 20 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. It's so connected, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking like, yeah, if we were cave people, if we were cave people and we had no one around us and we lived by ourselves and we were going fluctuating in size, I don't think that we would notice or care. Like we only care because because of society and what we're told that we're supposed supposed to be. Um, and of course, like, yeah, your mom is, you know, thinking that she's helping your health because that's what society's told her that like, mm-hmm. uh, that you're going to get made fun of if you don't do that, that you're going to be unhealthy if you're, you know, if you're whatever size. Um, and like now, even though we can say, well, I can do 25 pushups and I'm this size, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's still so hard to like get those other thoughts out of your head because they've they've been embedded there for so long, right? So I don't. And something that I talk about a lot is that I don't think it's healthy to say like, "Well, I'm over it completely. I'm cured. I'm short of those thoughts, and I'll never have them again." Because that's not true, and you're lying to people when you say that. I think. Like, I love the body positive movement and everything. And I love the idea of trying your hardest to love your body, but like not admitting that those thoughts are going to creep in is like hard. It's a lie. You know, like I personally, I think it's a lie, but but yeah, it's hard because we've just, we've been told the opposite of this for like however long. Right. Man. Oh, well, so when you were, when you were like in that phase and you, you did lose 20 pounds, did you like have any, um, like, inter- like what, what did you do for movement? Well, after that particular time when the agent told me, you know, lose weight here on your chin, um, I had a friend who was getting her personal training license and needed to do hours with people. And so um, I started working with her, I think, twice a week. And we'd meet in McCarran Park and she would kick my ass. She would really, I mean, and then she, she had like a, you know, a a diet plan of just like, you know, grilled chicken and vegetables, all protein, no carbs that I did. And I lost a ton of weight very quickly. And you know what? The second I had a slice of pizza, it was all back because it's just not for me. I don't, there's so many body types and stuff, but just for me, it's just not sustainable. I love food. I love to cook. I love, I'm a, you know, I, bar- I bartended forever in New York City. I love making cocktails. I love, I love going out to eat. I love, I just love every aspect. That's probably my favorite thing in the whole wide world to do is to eat and to cook for people and to, to just be around socially, which like that I think is also why I feel like I'm crumbling a little bit <laughs> in this p- pandemic 
is because it's like just so much of my love for for just socializing with food and drinking <laughs> is is a huge part of me and I think that you know I I struggle with having a good relationship with food because and because I love it so much and I did weight watchers when I was 21 right out of college because of course I'd gained the 15 the you know freshman 35 or whatever. <laughs> and so my mom encouraged me to join Weight Watchers with her and we did it together uh, when I was 21. And actually I thought Weight Watchers was an extremely, for me, I can't speak for everybody, but it was an extremely healthy way of seeing what I was eating, what was healthy and what wasn't. I remember the first time I realized on Weight Watchers when I was 21 that a bagel was actually bad for you. I thought bagels were the healthy version of donuts. Like It's like, oh, right. And then just like portion size and stuff. And so I, I feel like I've take I always took what I learned in Weight Watchers when I was 21 and kind of have applied it to, to now. But I think whenever I get in these mindsets of like, I'm going to lose all this weight, like it just gets really drastic and it's not sustainable. Yeah, It's just unhealthy. It's really unhealthy. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's really, really unhealthy. <laughs> I want to second that. How – I'm yeah. going back to something you said earlier, you know, in the conversations that you've had with your mom – Right. Because I think so many of us can recognize that the women who came before us were just in a different place mm-hmm. with dieting and thoughts about dieting and thoughts about weight loss. Like, how do you start having those conversations with your mom? Right. I imagine they could be really tricky to navigate. Um, that's a good question. You know, I think once I was in my 20s, my early 20s, living in New York City, um, having all these discussions with agents about losing weight. I ha- I've also had boyfriends, like whenever I am, am happy, <laughs> surprisingly, whenever I'm happy in a relationship, we go out to dinner and I cook and we sit around and eat blocks of cheese. And, you know, I've always gained weight in relationships. And then of course there's like, you know, fight. I had this one boyfriend who was the worst who, um, Actually, I'd gained like 10 pounds in the relationship. And he was like, if you're going to gain this much weight, how much are you going to gain when we're married? I was like, okay, breaking up with this guy. Um, and I remember, bye, bye, yeah. bye, bye. Oh, yeah. I wrote a sketch about it. It's, we go, yeah, it's, it's good comedy material, but also detrimental to one's mental health. Um, but I remember calling my mom and, and like talking to her about those fights with men. And, and I mean, my mom's like kind of a little bit of a heart, tough love kind of woman, but also like, I mean, leads with love, but she, we would have these tough conversations of like, well, what are you eating? Like, are you being healthy? Do you, you know, it's all about the vegetables and you know, all that sort of stuff. But I think recently, um, cause I was quarantining with my parents for four months in Nashville. I've been back in New York now for a month eating whatever I want. <laughs> um, but we talked a lot about health and dieting and stuff when I was home. And when I first got to Nashville, I think, you know, we were all in like shell-shocked with what was going on. You know, this was in March. And for us, it was really important to use food as, uh, as comfort during that time. So I was so excited that she was on board with like baking all the bread and making all the pasta and um, making all the cocktails and stuff. But 
she always is balancing. Um, she works out every day. I mean, works out. She she walks. She's a walker. She would go to the mall to walk. She would. She ha- likes to hike. And so, you know, we there. She's all about balance, and she's always telling me about balancing. You know, the exercise and making sure you get your steps in if you're going to have this. You know, the pizza at the end of the night. So, I think that we've we're, we're still we still kind of you know we're we're getting there <laughs> with with how we both view our bodies, the same body. She weighs a lot less than I do, which is, I remember, gosh, I remember in my twenties, like being like, oh gosh, well, I, I didn't ever want to weigh as much as my mom. That was always like a thing. And now I've totally passed her and I don't care. I don't, she's a, she's a 73 year old woman. (laughs) Her bones are shriveling. (laughs) Sorry, mom. Um, (laughs) But like, I'm just more active and I think that I'm trying to right now in quarantine, living alone, I'm not trying to lose weight as much as I'm just trying to, um, get strong. Like I really, you know, the revolution is coming and us girls need to get ready for the war. And so just kidding, (laughs) but I, but I just, I really want to push myself uh, and cause since I was never a child athlete or anything, like this is my time to, to just prove to myself, a, a, you know, in a way of, of my, how strong I really can be. And I think that that's something to celebrate rather than like, oh shit, I've gained, I've gained 20 pounds this year. I'm sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> it's, we're all going through a pandemic right now. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about tell us about the the workout that you're doing. You know, what Ugh. are you doing in in Quar? What's your what's your strong getting routine? Your strong getting routine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel so so lucky. Um, I want to say it's almost like five years. I don't even know how long I've been going to this man's class, but I I belong to the Fort Green Crunch. Here in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, girl. (laughs) We're fierce. It's closed. Probably won't reopen. Uh, But (laughs) um, there's this man named Carl Hall. And my the first day I joined Crunch, they said, you know, tonight is like your trial night. Uh, Carl Hall, who is like, you know, really well known in the fitness world, is teaching a spinning class. You, You could there's a spot. Would you like to try it? So this is like five years ago. I go to this class. This man, it's a spinning class. This man has us remove our seats during the class. And you're just like pedaling your fucking ass off to like Whitney Houston, Beyonce, like amazing music. But he kicked my ass. And I hadn't been, I, you know, my gym relationships with New York City has been all over the place because they keep raising the prices, even though they don't, they tell you they don't. So I've been at New York Sports Club. I've been at YMCA and now Crunch. So I went to Carl's class that first night. He took the seat off and you know what? I was like, oh my God, this is awful. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then by the end of the class, I'd done it. And I was like, this man has pushed me in ways that I didn't even think were possible. And that was that, that one night. So I, I was, t- I joined the gym immediately and I started going to Carl's classes and he taught, he teaches spinning 
and strength training three times a week. And it's back-to-back classes. So it's a two-hour workout. And when I first started, I was like, there's no way I can do two-hour workouts. That's insane. Uh, Who has that much time? Also, like, I don't want my body hurting all week. So I only would go to one or the other. And after about two years of that, this woman came up to me and was like, I I know you love Carl. Why don't you do both of his classes back-to-back? And I was like, oh, I don't work out two hours. Like, that's – I can't. I have – I have stuff to do. She's like, you should try it. Just try it. So I fucking did it on a Sunday morning. I did his 45-minute spinning class. And then I did right immediately after his one-hour one strength training class. So it was an hour and 45 minutes of working out. Same women in all classes, in both classes. And I did it. I did it. And it became my – I would go – Friday mornings, two-hour workout, and Sunday mornings, two-hour workout, and sometimes Tuesday evenings if I didn't have work or anything. And my body started to change. My thighs started getting bigger but stronger because of spinning. My biceps started actually having a bulge. My triceps started having – I started showing definition. But it was more of like – I used to, I grew up in the church and I went to church all the time and I loved Jesus until college <gasps> when I realized that there was, that was a sham. <laughs> but Carl Hall became my church. Like, I mean, you can ask friends, they'd be like, Hey, let's do brunch. I'm like, I can't until after one because I have Carl and that was my church. And I became friends with other women in the class and, you know, I, my body would fluctuate, of course. Like if I would go back to my fucking, you know, veggies and, you know, protein diet, which I occasionally do, um, people would be like, oh, you know, you look great. And But also when I'd gain weight, people would say, you look great. So it was like just a really great community of people. So then when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden our gym closes and I'm like, oh my God, my church. And for a month, I'm at my parents' house like – I have an app called Tone It Up with these girls in LA and they're like really skinny and really beautiful and like per- and perfect. I was totally on their bandwagon for a hot second until they got super annoying and I don't like them anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Tone It Up. <laughs> they're completely tone deaf and, and, and also their workouts are literally like holding a three pound weight of just like, okay, that's great for lots of people, not for me. I need like a workout. So... I was doing that for a month in Nashville, and then I was scouring the internet to find Carl. He's not online. He's not a social media person at all. So I emailed. Oh. Yeah, I was I was kind of like shriveling and dying inside because I missed my church. Um, I emailed Crunch, and I was like, "What? Where's Carl? Is he teaching any classes for Crunch?" <laughs> and nobody responded. And so then I started. Um, uh, I messaged the Instagram person on Crunch. That's what I did. And they wrote back and it was like, oh, I heard that Carl's teaching Zoom classes. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they sent me his handle. And sure enough, he has 200 followers on Instagram. And he teaches Zoom classes uh, Monday uh, every day of the week except on the weekends. And I've been doing it now for three months. And uh, it's the same girls in my class. It's $30 a week. Uh, he teaches twice Monday, like they're basically 30 minute workouts, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's 45 minutes and it's just through zoom. You turn off your video, you turn off your mic and he just teaches the class. 
And he's a very fine black man. He's gay. And his muscles glisten in the sunlight. And it's really fun. And I really... I've really had to push myself because being by myself in my home, you know, it's so easy to just like, and the the video's off too. So it's like, well, maybe I'll just lay here for a second. But I really, you know, it's, it's a kind of a mind fuck because you really have to just keep pushing yourself. But it's so, I, I love, I love him and I love our class. I love me in the class. I love how I feel after the class. So I try to pair that with getting outside. <laughs> I used to run. I used to run on treadmills. I used to, I don't run anymore. I really, really don't like running. I ride my bike. I walk. I love to hike. Hiking is my jam. I'm actually thinking about selling all of my material objects and going and hiking the Appalachian Trail. Yes. So yeah, do that, Marie. That'd be cool. Yeah. I am really, really, I'm about 60% about <laughs> to just say fuck everything and go to the trail. So I, I don't know. I just – but then I couldn't do Carl. <laughs> they probably don't have good service up in the Appalachians, right? That's right. No Wi-Fi. Uh, you can't <laughs> Carl on a mountain, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, this sounds so great and so exciting. I love finding a teacher that you love because it really does – we don't really talk about this. We haven't really talked about this that much on our podcast randomly – even though we talk about fitness, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I had a teacher, Jorge, who taught Zumba, which oh. like, I was, I was like basically kind of over Zumba by the time that it happened. I was like, Zumba, what, is this 2001? What's going on? But he had like the, it was at Crunch too, or no, it was at New York Sports Club. He, <laughs> but he taught at Crunch too. I like, and I, it was the exact same thing. I never thought that I would be as obsessed with someone. I like was so obsessed with like, finding out his schedule and like where he was like what class he was teaching because like when you find a teacher like that who just makes you feel so good and like you're like I know that even if I feel bad if I walk into this class I'm gonna want to keep pushing myself and I'm gonna want to do it uh Carl and it's so upsetting to like have that kind of taken away and and that whole communal aspect of, of fitness that a lot of a lot of people love Right. Well, it's been really exciting for him, I think, because so he he does have a devout following and so much so that the New York Times actually wrote an article about Carl Hall called The King of Spin. And it talks about church and it talks about his followers and how they go everywhere he goes and stuff. But that's, about I think, the only publicity he's ever received. He's not really on social media. He's not like, I would think by now he would maybe be like a celebrity trainer or whatever because he's so good. But he really is humble and he really just, I don't think he's, he's obviously not about that. He does, he just wants people to be happy and to work out and to love their bodies and stuff. And so for this, he actually sent an email to the group a month ago saying how this has really com- completely changed his life. He's not going to be going back to crunch probably. He's going to be taking his business. He's going to start his own business, Body by Carl, and do everything online. He's even going as far as um, he's going to be teaching spin classes. He told us how to, I think, I I don't know how I'm going to do it, but um, I'll have to carry my bike up five flights of stairs and like get one of those stationary things. But I'm going to do it. I think that I love spinning. Oh, my God. And I, his music, it's all – It's you feel like – and the crunch, the Fort Green Crunch actually has like a disco ball and lasers and stuff. I love that shit. I love 
I really miss spinning. I miss his spinning, but it's really cool how, how much he's, how far he's come in his journey too. And like, I was at the very beginning of him trying Zoom and he didn't know how it worked and it was, but we all figured it out together and he would do like surveys of like, can you hear me now? Can you hear the music? Can you do this? And we all learned like, you got to turn off your mics, you got to turn off the video and then we can really hear him. But it's just so exciting to be a part of his journey too. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling so happy hearing you talk about this, Marie, right? Because hearing you sort of talk about your journey in quarantine, noticing mm-hmm. the struggles with working out and then finding Carl working, you put in work to find him and it <laughs> off, right? And then hearing his journey and how you and like your fellow churchgoers were all there with him and supporting him while he was supporting you. It makes me feel so good to hear because good news is so scarce these days. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever anyone is saying, wow, things are so hard right now, but I can really connect to this one positive aspect, like this guy who is so talented recognizing that he can work for himself. He doesn't need to work to make mm-hmm. for crunch anymore. Oh, I'm like, what a relief. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I got his email and just like tears. I was like, this is, this is so wonderful. Cause he deserves it all. It's just really, uh, it's Carl. really great. Carl. Oh my God, I want to have Carl on. <laughs> oh my God. Well, next week, Next week, his his mother is sick, and I think he's moving her to a nursing home. So his husband is taking over th- for the week. So that's really exciting, too, that they both are like – it's like a team effort. So whenever Carl can't do it, his husband will do it. It's really, really cute. Oh, Carl. Carl. so crazy because last just last night, I was – someone that we've had on the podcast before, um, Asher Freeman – he posted about how he worked for crunch and, or no, no blank. I'm sorry, blank. And about how blank kind of like, he kind of like called out their, um, their sales techniques and basically how the big box gyms are like targeting women. They're targeting women because they know that women are insecure about their bodies and all of this stuff. And that makes me so happy to hear that Carl's doing well, because I can only imagine that Asher is also a very great teacher. I've never taken with him, but, uh, yeah, and my first thought was like, no, you can do this on their own. Like, they're taking money from you. Fuck the big box gym. Like, they're just there for the space. You're like, you're you bring the life. You bring the you bring what people really want to come back for. Like, I don't. I went to uh, Equinox for a year. Oh, I didn't know we were in the presence of a millionaire. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, the thing is, you're not. You're in the presence of someone who now has credit card debt because she talked was somehow talked into going to Equinox. <laughs> like, oh my God. I love it. Because it was close to my work and I know myself and I know that if I'm, well, now this is all changed because what the fuck is the city? What the fuck is life? But I know myself like in normal times, I only go, I would only go if it wasn't completely out of my way. So like, I don't know, like if Fort Green is near you, it's like, yeah, this is like near me. I can just walk there. This is great. And the only time that was super close to me off my subway stop was Equinox. But anyway, so that I had to, I have to, you know, give a precursor to that because I can't just have you thinking that I chose Equinox on my own. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went there and like, it's a pristine gym. Like it's 
very nice, lovely eucalyptus towels. Uh, like all the equipment is state of the art, but I didn't love their teachers. Like no, no one really got me excited. And ultimately I ended going back to like class pass so that I could take with teachers that I really liked. So I got like flywheel. I think they have really good teachers and Peloton has really good teachers and, and crunch. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I hate New York sports club. I think it's literally like, it feels like I ripped the studio off the bottom of my shoe. And then that's what I entered because it's so nasty. <laughs> but like, <laughs> burn hard burn but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like they have a lot of good teachers there and that's way more important than feeling like you're at some gross elite fancy ass fitness place also i love crunch i really love crunch yeah. even though but here's the question that i'm grappling with is that, do i want to join a gym once it opens again because right. i'm just loving this it's all on me to work out and it always has been but I don't know about you but like I would just like oh, make myself go to the gym just to be at the gym but now it's even more like I feel like my workouts are, are better because I'm just holding myself more accountable and also like the time you know 15 minute walk to the gym and I would work out for an hour or two hours with Carl and then walk back. And it was like such a huge chunk of my day. Whereas now it's like I'm home. I do my 30-minute w- workout and then I can go for a walk later at, with a podcast. And then I f- feel like that may be my fitness routine for the next couple of years. I'm sure I'll – I'm sure they'll come up with like trampoline for, you know, whatever. And then we'll all be drinking that juice and <laughs> side up for that. But – I think, I don't know. I, I used to be a huge gym rat, but now I, I set up a mirror. This is my workout space. You can see this. Ooh. A mirror. A little. There's, my, there's my scale. Ugh. Uh-huh. Talk about weighing ourselves. That's the worst. Oh. And I know. It's, I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I am now that this is where I'm like, do I have an eating sort? I weigh myself every morning and I write it down. <laughs> it's probably not. That's, that's the thing, right? It's like the question, do I have an eating disorder? I I can't stop. That's my problem. (laughs) It's like, how, how can we tell when so many things that, yeah, technically that could indicate disordered eating, but also everyone completely normalizes and accepts that it's okay to weigh yourself every single day. In fact, a lot of programs recommend that you do that. Right so hard you know mm-hmm. we're you know like we're sort of the podcast is of of the mind that yeah if you are able to not weigh yourself that will probably be better for you mentally which will be better for you physically but everyone is gonna be different in that right for some people mm-hmm. that scary to not weigh yourself every single day like what you were saying mego we can't pretend that we're not still attached to some of these ideas that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my best friend weighs herself every day too. And she like, yeah, she, it's like the same thing. And, but we both, we've talked about how we both 100% have disordered eating and how it's just like a weird habit that she has that she just, she's always done it. Well, one of my friends who I will definitely refer to this podcast, I think that she'd be a fantastic guest because she's also on a super awesome fitness journey um, for health reasons. But she told me, I told her that I was weighing myself every day. Oh, God, my cat. Sorry. Olive, 
She wants to be on the podcast. Come on. Get down, please. <laughs> Get down, Olive. Okay. Well, she's just going to be on the podcast. Um, okay. Hold on. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. She'll, sc- she'll scratch me. Oh my gosh, this is like the, this is the equivalent of like when they're interviewing fancy people on MSNBC and they're like, their dog hops into the frame. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've become very close during this quar. But so my friend Jessica, she told me, so I was telling her I was weighing myself every day and she was like, well, I mean, muscle weighs more than fat. So if you're working out more and this, I'm weighing the most I have, I think ever in my entire life right now. So I've been really, that's been kind of fucking with my head a lot. But, um, but I've also been consistently working out the most in my entire life and the muscles that I'm building. So she really, she was like, you can weigh yourself, but just know, I mean, your body is looking so different because of Carl. Maybe you should try to get, there's the certain scales and I don't know too much about it, but there are fancier scales that have like your fat index and all this sort of stuff. Cause she, that knowing what percentage of fat is on your body is way more important than knowing like your full weight. So I follow a lot of fitness people and there's this woman that has a scale that just, that kind of your BMI and blah, 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 blah. I just, I don't know. I have a weird relationship with the scale. It's, it's, it's not a good relationship. I don't, I will, I could say yes. <laughs> I really appreciate you talking about it because mm. it's like, yeah, I haven't heard of many women who would say I have a great relationship with the scale. <laughs> right. Well, you know, my mom weighs herself every day and her 74th birthday is coming up and she's like, I'm going to lose three pounds before my 74th birthday. My mom, <laughs> why, why are you fo- fixated on that? But yeah. You know. yeah, I mean, the thing, the other thing about weighing yourself every day is like, uh, it's not accurate to what you did yesterday. You know what I mean? It's not like you eat yesterday or you work out yesterday and then that is what you weigh the next day. Like, it's just like not a good indicator of, of like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess what does it indicate to you when you, when you do it like you're just kind of like okay i i just need to know (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean it's it's obviously just a comparison of where i was last year or the year before or the year before or the year before you know it's it's funny i saw my old roommate um a couple weeks ago and and she just moved out so that's why i'm living alone finally uh but she was kind of talking about you know what it was like when she first moved in we lived together for three and a half years and she was like, I remember you were obsessed with your diet when, when I first moved in. And I was, I was trying to think of like, really? I was obsessed with my diet. And I was like, Oh, of course I was because we were going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival that year. So investing a ton of money. And I, I fully admit I was super obsessed with like, well, I have to look my absolute best because this is our chance of making it. And we've worked so hard. I don't want, I remember the mantra of like, do not let your weight be the reason why you don't make it, which is so Mm -hmm. fucked up. But I remember that time, this girl, this random girl I met off of Facebook moved in with me and she then watched me do my fucking crazy diets that I've done. I think at that time was I was back to my tone it up girls. You can look them up on Instagram, they're the worst, but they, uh, it's all, (laughs) 
it, they call it the, it's, I mean, it's healthy, but their recipes are just like, you know, a Swiss shard wrap or, um, protein pancakes, which taste disgusting. Um, but I was, I was obsessed and I, I really, I was obsessed with my diet at that time. And it was weird to hear my old roommate reflect that back to me of like, oh yeah, you were really uh, just into dieting. Cause I, and I, I don't, that's not what I am about. That's not what I want people to remember me for. My dieting? Jesus. Right? Ugh. That's a, that's such a thing that's repeated in a lot of like intuitive eating circles, right? Is mm. like, we're not, we're not going to put on our tombstones, you know, right? in jeans, you know, like we're not going to put on her tombstones. Most of her life, she was skinny. It's mm-hmm. these other things. And this is the thing that makes it so hard for us, I think, as a society to really divorce ourselves from these diet culture thoughts, right? Because I just want to reflect back also that, Marie, you were literally told by an agent who works in the industry, an expert, that your weight will get in the way of your ability to get work, right? That That's like a reality for people. Right who have hopes and dreams, (laughs) you know, is that for most of our lives, we've been told, yeah, like your weight actually will get in the way. So it does matter. So you should weigh yourself every day. So you should obsess Mm -hmm. diet. That is right. And so fucked up, you know? Right. Right. But then you see like, but there's so many great actresses that are not in that not in that um mold mm-hmm. and i think that i mean I'm, I'm sure that they've also all struggled with the same stuff and, and people telling them but at some point it's just kind of like well when am i going to stop letting that be the judge of what i do and like who i am and what i want because like hearing you say yeah i don't want i don't want people to think of me as the diet person like i can look back at myself and be like god i was yeah that was all i cared about if i thought about mm-hmm. it 24 7 Mm-hmm. That's all I cared about. Um, I didn't care about my relationships more than I cared about how small I was. It's so true. And like bookending it back to our beginning of this conversation, when we were like, I wish that I had known how great I looked. Mm-hmm. I wish that I had known how beautiful I was. You could say the same thing about yourself right now, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like right. You in 40 years is going to say the same thing. Like, I wish that I just would have not been focused on that and would have just enjoyed acting or like right. just enjoyed the food during quarantine because right. whatever you know and also like yeah bodies fluctuate weights weights fluctuate and i for me personally i'm more likely to fluctuate up if i'm on a restrictive diet previously mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and like you know that's kind of been scientifically proven too so it's like you're just you're set up to fail <laughs> you're really set up to fail so you might as well just live your life and eat what you, you know, you know, within reason, eat what you want and, and work out to make you feel good and go to church with Carl, you know, like it's, yes! it's such a, it's such a mind fuck. It really is every single right. day. It's a, it's a mind fuck. Right. Cause it is a balance of being healthy, staying healthy, eating vegetables. Vegetables are very, very, very important and fruit, but also eating that pizza. I mean, I am, I am perfecting I, I I could maybe even say I have perfected pe- making my own pizza dough. You know, I could start my own pizza company if I wanted to. I won't, but maybe I will. Maybe, maybe on the Appalachian Trail. Who knows? <laughs> but 
But I think home cooking, during this time of quarantine, I've really, I used to order every night on Seamless because, or, or just grab something or, I mean, I worked in the food industry, so I would get free meals at all of my jobs as well, which was amazing because it was all very wonderful, delicious, buttery foods. But during this time, I've just been cooking so much for myself and then I'll treat myself to one, one or two meals a week. Um, and really make those meals count too. But I think for me, I've just fallen in love with cooking again. And if I'm making it at home and I know my portion size isn't crazy, cause I, I am very guilty of just, oh, this is meant for three people. And I just eat the whole thing myself right there in that seat sitting. That's what I'm working on of just like portion control, cooking from home, working out and just making sure that, you know, that I'm in a good place mentally. And that's all we can do at this point. Make that bread. Put it, put butter on it. Hell, put that stinky par- Parisian cheese on there too, because I don't know if you've had it. Bread with butter and the cheese is the best fucking thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it's getting to be that time where we play a game that's not a game. <laughs> sort of been talking about this the entire episode but you know the game we were going to play today is ah freak out freak out (laughs) where we talk about our latest freak outs and how we get over them (laughs) (laughs) so marie (laughs) what's my latest freak out oh my god if you want to share if (laughs) to another we can go to another could be fitness related could be not yeah could be fitness uh, right well just uh, i mean uh, the biggest thing that i'm like freaking out about is just all the shit that i own i really i'm at this place where i don't know if any of this shit matters i have a closet full of clothes i have computers that's been my big task this week is like you know cleaning out all of my fucking computers to give away because I don't need anything. I don't need anything. And my birthday's coming up and my mom and my family is like, what do you want? I'm like, nothing. I, I do not need anything. I don't want anything. I just want to get rid of every fucking thing I own and just, just go roam. So material objects, fuck them. We don't need anything. All I need is my computer and I don't even want that. What about your kitty cat? Oh, oh, my cat. Oh, sorry, baby girl. Where'd you go? Yeah, I need her. I need her. I need her, yeah, too. Olive. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, that's a great freak out. Also, I feel like one that so many people are probably... I've been feeling the same way because I'm like, well, I used to buy all these clothes, but I don't even go in public anymore. So what does it matter? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Well, this has been such a fun episode, Marie. Thank you so much for talking to us. I really want to find Carl and meet him because I feel like I too would love him. Just, it's great. Just given the description and his music playlist description. Um, so yeah, everyone find Carl if you can. <laughs> yes, it's Body by Carl on Instagram. Body by Carl. I'm literally going to go follow him right now. Yes. And Marie, if people want to find you, like, do you have any shows coming up? Well, I guess if they want to find you, they can find your podcast on iTunes and wherever podcasts are available, I'm assuming. Um, yes. But if people want to follow you or they want to find you, where, uh, where should they go? Well, I'm on Instagram at Marie Marica. 
Um, if you want to book me for anything, you can you check out my website, mariececilanderson.com. All of my social media stuff is on there. But Difficult Women, I'm so proud of our podcast. And, you know, here I am preaching on the podcast of loving yourself and all that. And then, you know, that's the struggle that I'm, you know, I put it out there into the universe and tell other women to do it. And now I got to fucking do it too. So I'm trying to live by, by example and stuff. So please listen to Difficult Women. Yeah, we do John Twitcherman sketch show every month. We've been doing it. We just did it on Zoom, which has been really fun. Um, but yeah, just... I don't know. Listen to the pod. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Uh, yeah. Check out Marie. Check out Reformed Horrors. They're really funny. Um, and until next time, everybody, don't forget to keep working it out. Uh-huh.